How do you make a skeleton laugh? You tickle his funny bone. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Starting Sustainability, episode 102 also known as the Halloween episode. <laughs> and I'm your host with the raspy, drawn-out, creepy voice, Kaylin Chenoweth. Oh yes, it is October. It is the fall, which means they are doing the fall harvest and they have harvested all the fields around my house, which has then affected my sinuses and therefore my voice. Believe it or not, just a few days ago when I would talk, it was mostly air and raspy with a few little squeaks. You could really not understand what I was saying at all. So my voice has come a long way and I would love to wait just a few more days for it to recover a little bit more. But tomorrow I'm supposed to teach a four hour class where I'll be standing there talking and talking loudly so the entire class can hear me the entire time. So I know that I'm about to lose this voice again. So we're going to go with it today. This is what I got. But it's really fitting. We're just rolling with it. This is great for a Halloween episode. Before we get started, I do have a special announcement that I would like to make. Amanda is our merchandise maker, and she has been super busy making some lovely creations for our Etsy shop. She does ask for Sustainer Nation to please be on the lookout for items to donate. Specifically, she is needing Velcro and zippers. We don't want you to go out and buy any of these items and ship them to her. The point of the merchandise shop is to be a way to repurpose old items, preventing them from going to the landfill. So if you have leftover fabric, materials, ribbons, especially Velcro and zippers from old projects that you might have, or you just discovered them somewhere deep down in the basement in the back of your craft closet, it doesn't matter. Give those items a purpose other than just taking up space and collecting dust and send them to Amanda Canfield. And that is at 719 Chase Lake Road, Howell, Michigan, 48855. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate your help. And now we're going to catch up with Kaylin and see what I've been up to lately. This past weekend, we did a little nice weekend getaway and we went and stayed the night at a house in the country. And it was very peaceful and quiet. The house that we stayed at is a house in which my brother-in-law grew up. His dad actually built the house. That house is approximately 50 years old and it still has many of the original parts like the original hardwood floors, ceramic sinks right from the 50s. Even the door stoppers behind every single door were the original. The craftsmanship that went into this house was absolutely fascinating to see. There was an old dollhouse that was in there that my kids played with and it was made by hand by the same person who built the actual house. And the dollhouse furniture was made out of wood. There was a bed, a couch, even a hand carved toilet. A really cool piece was a square piece of wood that was carved to be the kitchen sink. And the two sinks were actually two upside down bottle caps because they're blue on the underside. And that acted as the two compartment sink. And there was even a faucet for the sink. And upon closer inspection, the faucet was a nail that he had hammered into the wood and bent it over. And then on another square, there was an oven with four small metal washers that he glued to the top to make them the burners for the oven. That dollhouse was made 
50 years ago and it still looks amazing after being played with all of these years. I have friends with little girls and their plastic doll houses cost a whole lot more and broke very easily. And because it was plastic, could not be repaired. <laughs> I also like to think that if you're a little girl and you watch your daddy build you a dollhouse and hand carve the furniture and you have to wait patiently a very long time for each individual piece to be ready for you to play with, you will now take very good care of that toy. And so far that has proven to be true because that toy has withstood almost four generations of children playing with it and it's still in excellent condition. There are also two tubs of toys in that house and I have no idea how old those toys were but there were some really cool tin wind-up toys, a lot of metal cars, little wooden people and my kids had an absolute blast playing with all these toys and they were rough with these toys and none of the toys broke. Things really were better quality back in the day. Because our current toys now, they don't last very long, ever. <laughs> it's like a competition between my kids to see who can break the toys the quickest. This past weekend, we also went to a festival. I guess that's what it's called. It's called the Feast of the Hunter's Moon. And this is an annual event in Lafayette, Indiana, put on by the Historic Society. There is a fort along the Wabash River called Fort Wyatnon, and it was a French trading post. The feast is a celebration of remembering the French fur traders and their partnership with the natives of the Wea tribe. Today, when you go to the feast, it is very common for people, both workers and attendees, to dress up in garb, also known as tr like the traditional dress of the 1700s, and enjoy a recreation of a time when everyone embraced each other's cultures. The French would wear moccasins and get tattoos and piercings and marry the native women, and the natives welcomed them and embraced their differences. When you go to the feast, you get to see a drum and fife corps, native singing and dances, eat traditional foods like voyager stew and roasted corn, homemade root beer in a glass bottle. You even get to see the cannons go boom and <laughs> scare the crap out of you and your little kids. <laughs> they even have canoe races. And yes, the canoes are hand carved out of birch trees, just like they would have done back then. They'll even play traditional games and make candles by dipping them in buckets of wax and cold water. You can even cross-cut saw a log, like the two-handled saw, where you need a person on each end and you go back and forth and back and forth. Every attendant who is working the feast camps there in white canvas tents, cooks over a fire. There are no food trucks, and when people go shopping at the various booths and tents, they bring baskets because there are no plastic to-go bags anywhere. Even the root beer booth had root beer in a glass bottle with a cork lid. Minimal waste. Really, really cool to watch and observe. One of my favorite things to do every year. I really wish festivals that take place now would take notes of the way that the Feast of the Hunter's Moon is doing it, because when I go to festivals now and events, it breaks my heart at the amount of trash that is everywhere. Like, there are trash cans, and people just can't make it the extra five feet to them. So they just drop all of their garbage all over the place, and it looks horrible. We're just going to keep praying and hoping for a better future, because it's coming one day. Now, for this year's Halloween episode, I'm going to do it a little bit different, because I really don't want to just keep repeating what I said last year and the year before. If you want to get sustainable ideas for treats and decorations and costumes, 
I strongly encourage you to go and listen to last year's episode, which was episode 49. And that way you can get a refresh on different ways to be sustainable this Halloween. I will do just a few quick recaps slash updates, and then we're going to get on to the spooky stuff that I put together for today's episode. Something I did brand new this year was literally starting last year, the week after Halloween, because that's when it came up on, I believe, a Facebook post, but it might have been a comment on my website. I'm not sure. But the Facebook group that is Starting Sustainability, if you haven't joined, I strongly recommend that you do because it's a great way to gain information, share information, and just for everybody to learn new things and new tips and tricks all around. But for Halloween, last year, somebody mentioned saving old kid toys, keychains, etc. all year long. The things that you don't want, the little knickknacks, like the cereal box toys, all of those things, save them all year long. And then for Halloween, put that bowl out. I immediately grabbed onto that idea and definitely locked it in my brain and stored it away for this year. And let me tell you, all year long, when I find keychains and pencils, my mom will give me stickers for my kids. And I take those sheets of stickers and put them straight into the Halloween bucket. <laughs> like I just have a bucket hidden in our guest room so our kids don't find it and put them in there. I don't want my kids to have stickers, not because I'm a horrible parent, but because stickers go onto things easily, but they do not come off of things. And my kids will put them on the wall and the door and the carpet and the couch and on their shirt and their clothing. And then I forget about it and then wash it. And then that sticker never comes off of that shirt and has completely ruined it. So I have banned stickers in my house. <laughs> Nobody gets those. Whenever we get a box of cereal, if there's a little prize all year long, whenever we get different goodies and treats and toys, especially the itty bitty little toys, one, I don't want to be picking up a whole bunch of itty bitty little toys. And two, I don't want to step on itty bitty little toys. So they go straight into that bucket. But I have a full, very full bucket this year of things that I don't want, but I'm going to give them away for Halloween. So they have been repurposed and reused and given a chance for a second life. And I'm still being sustainable and I'm getting rid of all the crap that I don't want in my house. It's a win, 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 win all around. I'm so excited. And the other thing I wanted to talk about, now this isn't new, but I'm going to keep bringing it up. It's the Teal Pumpkin Project. I want to remind everybody of this. Teal pumpkins symbolize non-food treats are available at that house. And this project was started for children with food allergies. This way they know which houses they can go to. Because it's really disappointing to go get all the candy. Then you come home, dump it all out, and realize you can only have like 5% of it. So <laughs> this way they know exactly which houses to go to. You just get a teal pumpkin and put it out. If you can't find a teal pumpkin, I know Tori, our media marketing specialist, she wasn't able to find one. So she found a different pumpkin that I believe was white originally and then she painted it teal <laughs> and made her own teal pumpkin. And that's fantastic. That's wonderful. I encourage you to do that. Repurpose things. If you can't find what you want instead of special ordering it, then just take what you have and make it happen. Now on to the spooky and oddly sustainable things that I have discovered. You might remember the very first time that I did a crossover event with realistic sustainability with Michael and Nick Nazarian. At the end, we had a challenge where I said, okay, come everybody do some research and come together and we're gonna list out our oddly yet sustainable stories. While researching, I found other stories, but I couldn't present all of them in the challenge. I had to pick one, so I picked the man who lived in a dump. <laughs> but here are the others, and I thought they would be absolutely perfect for the Halloween episode. So I have been waiting a long time to finally present these to you. The first was an article that I found 
titled 10 Things Your Ashes Can Do After You Die. Creepy and weird, yet sustainable. What can we do with our ashes to give them an extra boost to life? The first one is you can transform your ashes into an hourglass and just give it to your loved ones so that way they can put it up on their mantle and stare at for the rest of time. <laughs> no pun intended, but now, now that it's there, I have to laugh at it. You can also have your ashes turned into a vinyl record. That's right, your dearly departed can rest in peace at 33 RPM. <laughs> What kind of music would you put on a vinyl record? Oh, I know. Death metal. <laughs> I didn't even look that one up. That one is right there off the top of my head. <laughs> Number three is a diamond ring. That is right. Human life is finite, but diamonds are forever. And you can remember your loved one by having the carbons placed under pressure and converted into a diamond. And then from there, you can choose whatever you want to do with it. If you want a ring or a bracelet or a necklace, whatever you want. Number four is a teddy bear. Yep, there is a company that will store the cremains inside of a plush and cuddly body of a stuffed animal. So you can always cuddle with your loved one. Number five is you can get a tattoo with your loved one's ashes. That's right, tattoo artists can sterilize the cremains and then mix them with tattoo ink. So that way your dearly departed is always under your skin. Number six is a pencil. Actually, it would be a set of 240 pencils that you can make with one person's cremains. And after each pencil is used, the box of the shavings can now be kept as an urn. Number seven is a portrait. So much like the tattoo artist can take the cremains and add them to ink, a painter can do that as well and mix it in with their paints and then paint a portrait of your loved one with the ashes in the actual portrait. Number eight is stained glass. So the glass itself is regular glass, but they use a bonding agent to fit all the glasses together to make the beautiful artwork. And so the cremains would be mixed in with the bonding agent. That way you have a beautiful piece of glass and the ashes are all within the glue, I guess, that holds it together. Number nine is a tree. So there's a venture called Biopresence, and it claims to transcode human DNA into trees to create a leafy living memorial that isn't technically genetically modified. I guess now when people pass away, a lot of times they will plant a tree in their memory. So you can always go visit that tree and set up a nice bench under the tree and talk to the person there. So instead of just picking any random tree, you can now take their cremains and have them genetically modified into the tree. That's a, it's a whole new level of technology there. And the last one, what you can do with somebody's ashes is you can get them packed into a firework. That way they can go out with a bang. This was created by Heavenly Stars Fireworks Company. If fireworks aren't your style, then you can also go with a company called Holy Smoke, where they will take cremains and pack them into ammo and create shotgun shells. Which I have not shared this with my husband, but I'm pretty sure that's what he would like to do with his ashes. I'll have to confirm with him. <laughs> and the other oddly sustainable and spooky story that I found that I want to share with you on this Halloween episode is titled Centralia the Burning Ghost Town. Ooh. 
So yes, there is a ghost town that has been on fire for over 50 years, and it is in Centralia, Pennsylvania. This was once a busy town with a booming coal mining industry. Residents turned an old strip mine into a dump. And in 1962, when the town decided to clean up the local dump, they wanted to do this ahead of Memorial Day celebrations. And in true 1960s fashion, the method for cleaning the landfill was to set it on fire. Unlike in previous years, though, they were not able to put the fire out. The fire spread through an unsealed opening to the underground coal mines, and the coal under the dump caught on fire, and it spread underground to other coal veins and eventually to the many abandoned mine tunnels and the coal deposits under the entire town. Underground mine fires are common across the globe. There are thousands that have been burning uncontrollably for many years. Australia's Burning Mountain is believed to have been burning for almost 6,000 years. Officials attempted to put out the fire in Centralia, but it was nearly impossible to determine which of the many tunnels and veins were actually feeding the fire. The fire in Centralia stretches about 7.5 miles and burns 300 feet below ground. For years, the fire burned on. The temperature of the ground became nearly 900 degrees, and smoke and steam would pour from cracks in the ground, sinkholes, and even residents' basements. The fire continued to rage into the 1980s. Giant plumes of smoke and deadly carbon monoxide gases billowed from fissures in the ground. The local highway cracked and collapsed. Trees were bleached white and petrified, and people complained about breathing problems. Hmm, I wonder why. (laughs) In 1981, a 12-year-old boy fell into a steaming sinkhole that suddenly opened in his backyard, and his cousin pulled him out of the hole, which was billowing hot steam with lethal levels of carbon monoxide. Yes, the 12-year-old survived. Thank goodness. Residents of Centralia were divided on whether the fire posed a true risk, as many did not want to relocate from their hometown. After establishing the cost of extinguishing the fire to be about a half of a billion dollars, the government opted to relocate the residents instead. After the sinkhole incident, a thousand people relocated and 500 structures were demolished. It was a very painful chapter for those residents. All of the real estate in the town was claimed under eminent domain in 1992 and condemned by the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. A few residents fought for their right to stay behind and five or so remain today. Once they live out their lives, the houses will become eminent domain. There is very little left in the town of Centralia, except for roads that lead nowhere and just a few scattered buildings of the remaining residents. Pennsylvania Route 61 used to stretch through Centralia, but it was destroyed by the underground fire and has cracks all through the tar, making it look like a severe earthquake struck the area. The town now attracts tourists who visit the abandoned highway and graffiti all over it, earning it the nickname of Graffiti Highway. It is less common now to see the smoke, but it is predicted that the fire could still burn for another 250 years. I would like to take this time to point out this is why we don't want to be sending things to the landfill because eventually they get full and the only way that they handle that is through incinerators. (laughs) Well, now they have incinerators before they would just set the landfill on fire, which has clearly been proven to be a bad idea. But this is a great emphasis on why we don't want things going to the landfill. Keep what you have, keep it as long as you can, continue to repurpose and reuse it as many times as possible. 
those are my spooky Halloween sustainable stories for you. I hope that you enjoyed them. I had way more fun researching for them (laughs) and hunting them. So excited to share them with you. I know it's a little bit different than our usual episode, but you are now all set and ready for Halloween. Let's see what the weekly challenge has in store for us. Open up my container here and draw a card. And it says, tea bags are often not biodegradable, so consider switching to loose tea leaves with a tea infuser. Hey, yeah, you know I'm not really a strong tea person. I pretty much only drink it when I'm sick, but I do remember learning that tea bags contain plastics and microplastics and are not biodegradable, and I was very shocked by that because they look like they're made out of paper. But that statement is correct. They are not biodegradable. So a very simple and easy solution is to switch to loosely teas and getting little tea infusers. There are so many of those. I even have one that was given to me by my sister Dawn. It's a little manatee <laughs> with a little play on words. It's a little manatee and you can open them up, put the tea leaves in there and close them. And then his little arms or paws, or I guess it's really a flipper. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is on a manatee. They hang over the edge of the cup. Every time you go to take a drink, he's like looking at you with his cute little face. Makes you feel better when you're really sick. Anyways, that's your challenge for the week. Stop using tea bags. Aim for the loose leaf teas. You got this. I hope everybody has a wonderful and fantastic and spooky and creepy (laughs) haunted Halloween this weekend. Enjoy the holiday as sustainably as possible. Remember episode 49 for a little refresher on tips on how to do that. And I will talk to everybody again next week. Have a great one. Bye. There are so many wonderful people doing amazing things around the globe. If you want to hear more about what we're doing down under, jump on over to Unbook Your Shopping Cart, a podcast who speaks to companies who have the eco thing down pat with some simple tips and hints on how you or your workplace can make small changes that can add up to a whole lot. Together, we can start a movement and make this planet a whole lot greener.